Hi, I'm Kristen Yorka of Wild Wonder, and we're here for Finding Solid Ground with our guest, Amber Astronauta. Welcome. Hello, thank you. So today I wanted to talk about, well, you're several things. You're a Reiki practitioner, you're an astrologer, you're a tarot reader and guide. Am I missing anything? Is that it? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> and today I wanted to focus mostly on astrology, but I want to learn about all your other things. Um, I felt like I had a like a gateway drug into mystical world in mm-hmm. my probably thirty early thirties. Yeah. And I wanna know if there was what was like your gateway mystical um, practice that led down this road of Reiki and tarot and astrology? Mm-hmm. Good question. I think that my gateway drug was probably Reiki, honestly. I was on a very stressful tech job for quite a few years and was really looking for a physical and sort of emotional practice that could ground me, bring me some peace outside of work. And um, I took a Reiki class and I think that, you know, I had dabbled in astrology and tarot, but taking that class and spending that time with myself um, sort of showed me that I could try anything I wanted. And like you said, it was a gateway. It was like, oh, okay, nice. well, if I can do this right thing, I can do whatever I want. And um, just started spending a lot of time studying all three of those practices. And you're point. in Philadelphia now. Where is that where you found Reiki as well? Yeah, yeah. So um, we have a couple of different schools here in the city. And um, I don't actually remember how I initially heard about it, but um, I think it was a friend of a friend thing, and I started doing that. So you'd been dabbling in astrology, tarot, and then you heard Reiki and something just like went off in your brain and you're like, maybe I should try this Reiki thing. Yeah, it was out of like desperate need. You know? <laughs> Isn't it always? <laughs> yeah, it is. I was so stressed out. And Reiki led me to like my own, you know, peace and balance. But astrology and tarot allowed me to connect with other people mm-hmm. in ways that I wasn't able to, like at work. Um, so it was like this well-rounded kind of Right. Yeah. So it was a it was a course that you that you went into in the Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Is, is Philadelphia would you consider it like um into metaphysics and mystical practices? Yeah, we definitely have a community here that supports Reiki, yoga, meditation, um, all kinds of metaphysical practices like that. Oh, that's interesting because I, I wouldn't have necessarily connected the two in my mind, but I don't know much about Philadelphia. And here in Miami, I feel like there's a contrast. Like there's pockets mm-hmm. of of these kind of places, like yoga and meditation, and more of the woo stuff, like out on the fringes. But I wouldn't say they were that open-minded to all um, practices all the time in all areas. Gotcha. So that's yeah. cool. Um, what does now after? So you did Reiki, and then mm-hmm. you you kind of went back and forth into astrology and tarot, or did you focus on one and then the other? They kind of blended. I think I started with tarot because it was less intimidating to me. It was something where I could read a book, buy a deck, and just mm-hmm. sort of dive in. And, you know, at that time, just a couple of years ago, it got really trendy and really accessible, and my friends wanted nothing more than for me to practice. Right. <laughs> Um, and then I think astrology came next because we're just so interwoven. Mm-hmm. Um, once I sort of felt comfortable with tarot, I could dive more into astrology from there. 
I remember a friend of mine who's an energy healer, and anytime I talk about astrology, she'd be like, "Oh no, that's too much to memorize." And I was like, "It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot." Um, do you remember? Um, so, well, I'd like you to explain to anybody that doesn't know what a natal chart is, and then I'll ask the question. Sure. Yeah. So a natal chart is just a diagram, a representation of the sky from the time and location of your birth. So we just plug in your birth date, your birth time, and where you were born into, you know, a website or app, a calculator, essentially. Much um, easier than olden times. Yeah. We literally <laughs> draw it by hand. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> um, we just get these websites to put it out for us. Hmm. Um, and it literally shows the signs, the planets, and um, various other layers of information about the sky at that moment. Okay, so now that everybody's caught up, I'd like to ask, do you remember the first time you pulled your own natal chart? I think, I mean, not crystal clear. No, not like, like the exact date, but do you remember around? I do remember plugging it into an app and being like, what? You know? And honestly, before that, you know, I would just look at my horoscope and that just caught right. my mag or whatever. Right. So I had some familiarity with my son time. But um, yeah, I remember pulling out my chart and being very overwhelmed and confused. But then you can just refer to the website interpretations to get started. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was it when you pulled your natal chart? I felt like for me, there was like certain aspects. I was like, oh, that's why, you know, that's why I do that thing. Was there yeah. like a specific point that you were like, oh, that makes so much sense now? Oh my God, one of my favorite things about my chart. So I have a lot of um, activity in Leo in the fourth house. I'm a Pisces, so I don't really connect personally to Leo that much. I and they're opposites, that. correct? Um, ish, yeah. Ish. I see all of the stuff going on in Leo. Well, my mother and my husband are Leos. And in the fourth house, that's about home and family. Mm -hmm. So I would say, okay, I've never connected to Leo energy. But my family, your surrounding, the one I come from, and the one I created for myself, are just for Leo, and there it is in my chart. Yeah, cool. I think for me, when I first looked at it, I had so, I had a really difficult time with um, personal relationships growing mm -hmm. up, like with mm -hmm. you know boyfriends and friendships and things like that. I was like, what on earth? And I think my like big breakthrough moment was um, looking at Venus. And so I have a Venus in Pisces, oh, which yeah. I was like, oh, that's so tough. Damn, why? <laughs> like, why? Which means, you know, I mean, explain what Venus, you're the expert. So you'll explain what Venus in Pisces is. But I felt like it explains so much about mm -hmm. how I behaved in relationships and how I kind of brought on this karma because of mm -hmm. how relationships trigger me in certain ways. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just swoon when I hear Venus and Pisces because it's, it's such a beautiful, compassionate, just undying love type of energy. Yeah. Um, but I can see how it would make it difficult to draw boundaries, to um, assert yourself, to feel empowered in love and right. in the act of giving and receiving of yourself. Right. That was a big thing for me. Like, under, I'm still understanding it, but to be able to be like, Oh, that's why I'm like, you know, I'm the like die on the pile for love like, type of person, you know, like to a degree. I like I'll like climb the highest mountain, like, you know, write poetry. And it's really the artistry is great about Venus and Pisces, right? Like the ability to write poetry from pain 
or like I spent many years as a dancer to be able to create in that way from different, very complicated um, relationships. But then when you take that into like the physical world, it's a whole different animal, right? Totally. And I think the invitation of anything in your chart is to say like what you said, like, oh, okay, that's, that may be why I am or why I've had these experiences. But then to say, what is the strength in that? What's the invitation here? I mean, undying compassion and a capacity for love is not a bad thing. Right. <laughs> thing, right? The ability to create art out of pain. Oh my God, like what else are we here to do? You know? Hmm. Um, but then saying, you know, how can I use that? For my highest good, how can I get that to actually create healthy relationships that serve the greater, you know, good? Right, because I think the dark side of that, and there's always, I think, a light side and a dark side of every sign and every placement. The dark sign is always like martyrdom, right? You could be like divine love or martyrdom. And so that's the balance. And I think that's what's really cool about astrology that didn't only teach me about me, Mm -hmm. it taught me about my relationships. And how, not only how other people see me, but how I interpret other people because of this construct. Yes. Right? Yes, the energy you project, the kinds of energy that you attract back to you, and your own perception of what's going on. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So if, um, so I, I always am interested when you meet somebody, I don't know if you do this too, I want to know their like trifecta, their, their sun, mm-hmm. moon, and rising. Right. Do you do that too? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a great place to start. Um, are you asking me for mine? No, oh, yeah, I'd like to know oh, yours. Yeah, so my son is in Pisces, so I get that. Um, uh-huh. My moon is in Capricorn, Capricorn. and I am Gemini rising. Gemini rising. I am yeah. Aries sun, Virgo moon, Cancer rising. Oh, so beautiful. Um, <laughs> I love that. I'd like to know, and well, we both have Earth moons, correct? Yeah, I do. So I, I felt like understanding also the rising sign was a, another big breakthrough of learning for me because I always felt that I came, I thought I was coming across one way or like very authentically and people interpreted it in a totally different way so that they would later like close friendships and relationships would then find out how I really am. Yeah. And I think that speaks a lot to the rising sign that like that mass that people see when you're, is that how you explain a rising sign? A mass that people see as you're going through the world? Yeah, I think that it's, I like to think of it more as like the energetic field. Mm-hmm. You know, in astrology, we recognize that what's going on on the inside isn't always necessarily what's going on outside, and that's okay. It's not right. like you're fooling, trying to fool people right. or you're being phony behind the mask. Right. It's more just like there are two different landscapes that we're trying to integrate here, and that is real and happening. So, yes, yeah, sometimes you'll recognize people are picking up my rising time energy, but inside I feel much more connected to my son and my moon. Right. So do you think you come across as a Gemini to other people, like very chatty, very um, communicative, and maybe your interior is more grounded, more reserved? (laughs) Um, I think that I come across as Gemini rising, and I think that part of that is just I teach, you know, so I right. talk to people right. particularly on the internet all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I do come across a little verbose sometimes, you know. Um, I definitely like to appear very social mm-hmm. and connected and um, lighthearted. But yes, I think there's the other side of Gemini, which is also a little um, 
shy or awkward. Mm. You need that next virgin time to kind of feel grounded. And yeah, I think inside, I don't know if I feel grounded inside. The Capricorn moon shows up, I think, more as like um, worry and, and it has concerns with structure and mm. high things. Like, yeah, yeah, I can connect to that as a Virgo moon. Like, yeah. I think I come across as very easygoing, like very Absolutely. cancer, like mother-like energy and like anything goes and everything's mm-hmm. fine. But if you look at my like notes or my house, everything's very much mm-hmm. in its place. Everything's minimal. Like there's not a lot of clutter. Yeah. I'm overwhelmed with sound, you know, like it's very quiet in my mm-hmm. house. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sensitive to sound. That's funny. Do you think that over your life you have um evolved from your sun into your rising or from your rising into your sun? I think I've evolved from my sun into a combination between my moon and my rising. Wow. I think it's different for everybody. I find that fascinating. Yeah. So I was an, I'm an Aries sun and I feel like I was born wild as can be. Like there was no boundaries. There was just like, I just wanted to experience everything. You know, that Aries movement of like constantly creating, constantly moving. And then I want to say, like, 30s, I started to become very structured, like, very much, like, I like to be in my home, I like my things very simple, I like to do, like, I could spend a whole day reading or writing or whatever, I could not see a soul and that'd be fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I've always, I actually spoke to a friend recently and she said, actually, I always thought of you as Wendy with the Lost Boys. Oh when we were in school and I was like really because in my mind I thought I was this like wild like soul that was constantly creating but she's like no every and it was mostly which is weird which is a whole nother conversation it was mostly men who didn't have either moms at home not men boys at the time that didn't have moms at home or sisters or a feminine energy I would kind of take care of them Mm -hmm. yeah and that like that's that whole cancer rising thing that's always kind of there Mm-hmm. So going back before people get so confused, <laughs> listening, in case someone doesn't know what a, a sun, a moon, and a rising is, mm-hmm. can you give like a short breakdown of what that is? Yeah. So um, your sun sign, that's the sign you grow up saying like, I'm a Pisces. When you say that, what you're saying is, right. when I was born, if you looked up, the sky would be within the constellation of Pisces. Um, same goes for the moon. That day, the moon was in a particular sign. Um, the rising sign, on the other hand, is the horizon. So if wherever you were, if you look to the east, the horizon line, whatever sign was rising up, was coming up that day, at that moment, at that moment is your rising. Okay. And, that, so, and then can you give the breakdown of archetypally, what does that mean for a person? Sure, yeah. So your sign is more like your, it's like your soul reflects it. It's that purpose, it's that inner confidence. It's that fire in your belly that you're all born with, right? It's the energy that allows you to breathe your first breath, get up in the morning. It's um, really like that, like I said, internal purpose that allows you to move through the world. Your moon is your emotions, your intuition, your connection to your inner wisdom, dreaming, imagination, this mm-hmm. internal landscape that really only you have access to unless you communicate it out. And even then, it's always a filter, right? Yeah. yeah. And your rising sign is like, I said, that energetic field, that, that energy that you are expressing outwardly, either intentionally or unintentionally, mm-hmm. that people are reading when they first sort of encounter you. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, that makes sense. So if a person was going to you for their first initial reading, mm-hmm. what well, what usually are they looking for um, when they, when like it's just a general, like when a person first comes to astrology and asks you mm-hmm. for a session, what is it that they're usually looking for? It's usually does one of two ways. Some people are like, I don't know what this is or even where to start. Can you just tell me what you see? And so I will spend some time with their chart, um, look at what the main sort of messages are that are coming through from me, and then just offer that up. And oftentimes, you know, discussion will go from there. Um, some people are very specific. You know, everyone wants to know about love, yeah. family, work, you know, and essentially if they're on the right path in life. Right. And I can look to their chart to pick bits and pieces to um, look for clarity around those topics. Do you find that the challenge is, I think people are usually looking for you to tell them about love, at least yeah. the, uh, like when I work in tarot and stuff like that, it's like, no, but tell me when the right. one is coming, right? Oh my God, yes. So <laughs> you're like, well, <laughs> um, so what's the difficulty in that? What is, what is something that's most misunderstood about astrology when somebody comes to you? Yeah, I think exactly that. So obviously in the early days of astrology and for hundreds of years, people would predict the future and create timelines for when events would or would not take place in someone else's life according to their chart. In modern times, and my personal approach, is less about predicting the future and it's more about seeing who are you right now, where are you at, and what kind of energies do you want to welcome into your life? What kind of energies do you want to release from your body, mind, and soul? Mm-hmm. And how can you make yourself more open to what you want? And so we look to the chart, say about the question, like, um, when will I meet the love of my life? Yeah. Um, I would redirect that question, and I'd say, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But um, why aren't you the love of your life? Right. What's missing? Um, what kind of habits? actions, attitudes can you foster within yourself and within your environment that make you your best partner and also, you know, open to attracting the kind of love that you want and need in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the, the answer they want. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, let's work on you and I don't know when it's going to work. Is not what yes, no, they want. <laughs> but but teaching that yeah. and helping people work through that is part of the job. Right. But I think that's the most empowering thing about these practices is that it redirects the responsibility to you. I mean, it takes a lot as a person to be able to accept that responsibility. Yes. And I think that's what spiritual evolution is. Right. You know, empowering yourself and, and recognizing it's sort of in which you can control. So you do your best. Right. But I think that's what people have most difficulty with. They're like, I don't want to do anything. I want you to fix them. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. also, I'm paying you to tell me what's going to happen or how someone else is going to act and when they're going to do that thing. It's like, that's not, but, that's not how this works. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But yeah, I, I love, I love though, that conversation and it always gets to a point where the person feels a shift. And I think they do be feeling perhaps a little frustrated, but empowered and understanding yeah. that, you know, they have agency. But I imagine, I imagine you also see the person that just refuses to accept the responsibility as well. 
Yeah, occasionally, occasionally, and you know, that's okay yeah. because if my approach and my astrology aren't the right fit for them, um, they can find someone who has, you know, a different skill set or a different approach mm-hmm. and hopefully get the kind of answers and clarity they, they want. Right, that's fair. Um, so we're obviously in a very, I don't want to say challenging, it's different. It's shifting this time. Um, how do you think that astrology can help us now or an astrological practice? Yeah, I think astrologically speaking, we are in a very challenging time. I think it's fair to say that. Um, right now, in the sky, mm-hmm. Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto are all in sign of Capricorn. These giant planets that have very um, long-lasting effects are essentially digging up our root system. They're shaking our foundation. Um, as above, so below, we are seeing this happen. Um, we are seeing global leadership in terms of all of our structures, which is what mm-hmm. Capricorn is really about. So government, healthcare, food, you know, uh, education, every single aspect of our sort of um, global systems are being up for review, revised, um, and it's hard. It's really not a fun process. It's difficult. But what astrology reminds us is that, you know, this is all a moment in time. These planets keep going in their orbit. You know, they're not going to stay here and continue to rattle things. The whole point is to, um, you know, shake the snow globe and then they move on and they let mm-hmm. the water settle, you know. And so um, I think looking up and saying, what's happening up there? How can I relate that to what's going on here on Earth? How can I make sense of that? Oh, this is a necessary part of our evolution as a species, mm-hmm. and it will pass. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it will pass is a big lesson in not only astrology but tarot too. It's like this is just what's happening right now, yeah. and yeah. I think even though it, these practices have been marketed over eons to be like future telling devices. Mm-hmm. It really does bring us back to like know what's happening here and now yeah. and what's happening within us here and now in the greater world or this greater world pattern mm-hmm. um which i feel like you said and the macrocosm and the microcosm right mm-hmm. i also feel that as individuals at least it's true for me that this is all going on outside and then in my personal life a mirror image yeah. um of what's happening out there has been happening in here and I think without the practices or the tools that I have, it might feel like everything is happening out there mm-hmm. and it's causing chaos in my life. But to, to step into that responsibility and empowerment and be like, oh, this is for my greater good and the greater good of all. Yeah. And yeah, it's shitty. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fun. It's you know? Yeah. But I love that you mentioned that it's also going on inside because you're absolutely right. I mean, we see what's happening in the sky, on the earth as a whole, and then in ourselves personally, all kind of reflected um, and going through the same process. And yeah, it's both. It's that A, this will pass, but also B, it is for our greater good. When each of us put in the work, we put in the work globally, you know, we do see, you know, progress. So. Because I also think um, we all love to say, like, oh, it was so awesome before this all happened. But I like to propose the question. I know. The the question was, like, was it? Was it, like, really awesome? And was it awesome for everybody, you know? Right. 
Um, yeah, astrology tells us, you know, it was something about the past, you know, March. Right, right. <laughs> we're awesome. Something, apparently, we're being shown, something at the very foundation of all of that, we're not working any longer. And so we have to, you know, compromise and say that some of what we liked about the past is going to have to shift so that we can actually create a foundation that is supportive and inclusive for all people. And then we can get the awesome back on top of that. And that is long-term sustainable growth, not, you know, the tower card. Right. With this false idea of security, Right. you know. And that's a very Capricorn theme, I feel, correct? That, yeah. that, that idea of long-term, you know, exactly. planning and shifting. Yeah, for, exactly. for longevity, right? Yes, the whole point of Capricorn is like, let's build a world that works for everyone and that is truly supportive, compassionate, and secure. And Pluto there right now, this is the only time Pluto will be in Capricorn in our lifetime. Pluto's like, yeah, this is the moment. We mm-hmm. have to do that restructuring. So what happens, I don't want to be all gloom and doom, but what happens mm-hmm. if we, if someone refuses the call to change, to shift? In their own personal life. In their own personal life. I think that, you know, I don't know. That is their personal journey. And I honestly think that if, you know, they personally, intuitively feel like there are some major changes I need to make in my life in order to create a healthy and more sustainable future for myself. And they decide to, you know, ignore that. Um, I think that they will just suffer the consequences spiritually. The world is going to go on, right? Regardless of your, if you're on board, right. so you're, I think you're inviting more struggle for yourself, right? Because I, I, I see that on the larger scale. I feel like some of the population is like, okay, let's change, let's move forward, let's fight the good fight, and then there's some of the population that's like, no, let's dig our heels and we're just going to be here. And if we can't be here, right. then we're going back there, but we're certainly not going over there, right? You know? I know. It's like I think about nature, and it's like. Ecosystems are in a constant state of growth, right? Growth, death, regrowth, growth, death, regrowth, and with humans, you know, forests, we see this uh, model for us everywhere. And as humans, I think that, you know, if we try to dig our heels in and say, like, I'm not going to allow these leaves to fall, <laughs> or I'm not going to allow myself to, you know, hibernate this winter. Um, well, you know, I don't think that you have a choice you know, in the bigger picture. Um, and if you do just sort of deny the mind, I think you're going to find out in the spring right. that you would have really actually benefited from that process. Right. It kind of reminds me of, um, like a Saturn return, like almost a global Saturn return. Oh um, so before we go, I want you to explain for anyone that doesn't know what a Saturn return is. Sure. So um, any kind of return, a Saturn return specifically, is when the planet returns to the same place in the sky that it was when you were born. So Saturn takes 29 and a half years to go all the way around the sun. So when you were born, it was Saturn with the Capricorn. Um, when we turn 29, 40, it'll be in Capricorn again. And in astrology, the significance of this moment is around exactly these themes, restructuring. You look back on your life and you say, 
what kind of structures did I give in? You know, what kind of morals and values did my parents pass on to me? What kind of education did I receive? What kind of spiritual or religious upbringing um, was I influenced by? And now, as a grown-up, as an independent adult with agency, which pieces of that are important for me? Which pieces of that align with my own values? And do I want to keep and move forward in my life with? And which pieces are really not feeling um, are really not aligned for me that I can let go of and spend the next you know chapter of my life sort of filling in gaps with things that are more aligned for me. So I almost feel that a Saturn return and the moment we're living in right now is kind of the same invitation. Yes. And well, I actually, the US is actually it's Pluto return. Oh right. So very similar things, yeah. So I was thinking, like I was think, I always think, like if somebody had let me know that it was my Saturn return, I might have made better choices. Yes. But my Saturn return felt like, you know, a tower moment where everything, like the rug got swept out from under me, like everything shattered. And because I wasn't presented with it as a choice, yes. you know, I kind of did dig my heels, like, no, this can't happen. I'm going to continue living how I want to live, and this is how it's going to be. So it felt like I almost had two, you know, until yeah. I learned the lesson. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah, if you are in your new 20s, let's talk about your Saturn return. Yeah. Coming, <laughs> and I would love to prepare you. <laughs> yeah, my Saturn return, I didn't really know about the concept either. Um, and it definitely hit me over the head like a bolt of lightning. And I think that things definitely went up from there, but I did not know what was happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was all of a sudden you got like shaken up from a dream or you realize it's a nightmare and then you have to kind of put all the pieces together without knowing why any of it is happening if you don't know that yeah. this is a Saturn return and you're being invited or initiated into a new era of your life. Yes. Um, I feel like we should all be given like the astrology handbook like in I school. Know. And be like, <laughs> I know, and that, that particular one, Saturn return, that one. That one turn is just like the biggest, I think one of the most important of your life, yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Um, yeah, so if somebody is completely new to the world of astrology, they could mm -hmm. obviously call you, or, um, but if they're, if, what, what would you suggest that they do? If they're curious about this world, they want to use mm -hmm. it as a tool for spiritual evolution, mm -hmm. what do you recommend? Yeah, I think that it can seem very overwhelming, all the planets, all the signs, all the books out there, all the websites. I think the best thing to do is just pick a lane. I think you can pick one thing that just keeps your interest. You know, the moon is a great gateway drug mm -hmm. into astrology because it has a very clear, um, you know, energy, something that we can all deeply relate to. The moon change signs, changes signs every two or three days. It's mm -hmm. not like every day you have to go into some deep kind of study. Um, and what you can do is just say, what sign is the moon into? What does that energy about time? Google it, you know? Right. How do I relate to that energy? And how can I sort of tend to that need today? Mm -hmm. Simple. Um, there's also a book that I love called Astrology for Yourself by Demetra George. A really fun, really easy workbook. For understanding oh, your birth chart, I recommend that to all my students. Say it again, just so you... They call it Astrology to Yourself by Demetra George. Oh, Demetra George. Yeah, I think it's funny that you said the moon as a gateway drug because the reason I fell into astrology was because I was in a 
I practice a very traditional form of yoga. And so we didn't practice on the full moon or the new moon. And it was always like, but why? And it was always these like obscure answers, like because women get their periods on the new moon or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but if I don't have my period, I can't practice. Yeah, right. I can't, why can't I practice? Yeah. And so then that's when I started following the moon. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think the moon is a great, and it also tells us a lot about our interior lives. Um, Which is where we also be starting yeah, with ourselves. With ourselves. Um, so that's awesome. Well, I think we covered a lot. And I would love for everyone to know what you have coming up and what you what are you offering. Thank you. So I do offer private readings, um, astrology and tarot, and baking sessions. So I'm always available to do one-on-one remotely over you know, the internet. Um, but I also teach group classes, which I love. So if you're interested in learning more about your chart, your cards, um, and sort of practicing in community, I do online workshops. So next uh, monthly Astro Circle, which is my low-key sort of discussion-based um, astrology workshop, is coming up on August 26th at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And we'll be talking all about yoga season. So if you are a Virgo, this will be a, will be a fun birthday. Or a Virgo moon. Moment for you, or a Virgo moon, <laughs> absolutely. Um, if you don't know about Virgo, you will discover exactly what it shows up in your chart and learn a new way to work with that energy. I love that. I love Virgo season, not just because of the Virgo moon thing. But um, like the whole back to school idea works so perfectly with like the whole Virgo energy. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's like let's get things in order. Right. Yeah. Let's set it up. But that's awesome. Um, I hope everyone will join Amber in her next Astro Circle. And I'll put, I'll send links out um, with all your information. I thank you so much for joining me and for sharing thank with us. So it's great. Christmas is really fun. And I love talking about this stuff. So I'm kind of. Thank you. We'll do it again for sure. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.